Good afternoon, good evening, wherever you guys are watching from. Uh, welcome to God Squad Church. If you guys are just tuning in right now, we're so happy that you are here. We're doing something a little bit different today in lieu instead of a sermon. We're actually doing something we do a, a few times a year called God Talk. It's actually really exciting for me. I'm the type that likes to have really deep conversation and be kind of casual things, and that's what we're kind of going to do noon. So we're going to have a casual conversation about what we've been discussing the last four or five weeks, which is winning. What does it look like to win for you and for me as followers of Christ? But I thought we'd begin, maybe if you're brand new, just introducing ourselves. A few people here on stage who are going to be having this discussion back and forth. So if you're brand new, hello, my name is Pastor Wynn. I'm the discipleship pastor here at God Squad Church. And to my right is... I'm Pastor Tammy. I'm a children's pastor here at God Squad Church. Pastor Boz, and I'm the Midlothian and online campus pastor here at God Squad Church. Well, there we go. Too easy. Uh, before we jump into some questions that I want to discuss and have that conversation with, I want to read a passage of scripture. Passage of scripture that I think is going to help guide and really help you understand as to why we're really doing this. Why are we having this conversation? This is from 2 Timothy 3. Verses 16 and 17, it reads, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And in case you're hearing that and kind of scratching your head, what does that have to do with uh, this talk that we're having today? It actually has everything to do with why we're having this talk the reason that passage is so important is that we believe the Word of God is true and active in your life, in our lives, as a community, as a body, as a church of believers. So everything that we're discussing this afternoon, or maybe this evening for you, is driven by Scripture. It's guided by Scripture. So principles and things we're going to be saying and discussing, I want you to know, this is not just coming from Uh, from Scripture. Scripture is our guide. It's kind of our true moral, our moral compass. On that, looks like we're going to get a new mic here. Thank you, sir. Let's try that one. A little bit better for us. So just to repeat real quick, all of our conversations here, we want you to know this isn't just us giving our opinions up here. This is guided and founded deep in the Word of God. So what are we doing? We're talking about winning, right? This is a God talk. We want to respond to some everyday questions that, that you may have. We've been discussing, we've been preaching on it, but what does this look for my life, Pastor Biles? What does this look for my life, Pastor Tammy? Like, what does this actually look like? How do we apply this to our everyday life? So I'm just going to ask some questions for our panel. We're going to discuss it together, and hopefully you guys can learn, maybe I can learn uh, a thing or two together. So our first question here is, is very simple. It's this. It says, Pastor Susie described winning as having Christ, not having stuff. As a follower of Christ, how can I minimize my desire for stuff? And is it wrong for me to desire stuff in this life? What do you guys think? Anyone want to take a stab at that one? I have the mic first. Okay. Are we sharing a mic? Okay. We're sharing a mic. So I am first. Okay. Um... Well, I think it means like, you know, being content with what you have, you know. I don't think it's wrong to desire stuff. I mean, the Bible even said God knows the desires of our hearts. So he knows we have desires. It's just 
when that desire becomes more than just you know a want, it becomes it consumes you, and when it brings sin into, it almost becomes like a like you become jealous of stuff, and you, you almost want that more than you want God. That's when it becomes a problem. And how can you minimize that? I think you know personally, I know I need to pray. You know that God helps me be content with what I have. Um, I have an example of that. When I lived in uh, Connecticut, me and my family, we lived in a duplex. Uh, we rented a duplex, and there are eight of us. If you remember, I have six kids. And so it was small. And um, you know, I always wanted a house, just to have a house for the kids, their own backyard, you know, some of them to have normal bedrooms, because I had two kids living in the basement. No, it wasn't a nasty basement. But still, <laughs> you know, I wanted that. And so that's, it's nice to desire that stuff, but at the same time, it started consuming me. Like, I was jealous of other people's houses. I found myself almost getting mad that I didn't have a house for my kids. And then I started praying, you know, God, help me to be content with what I have. And he started showing me the blessings I have. I have six beautiful, healthy kids, an amazing husband. We had a house, <laughs> even though, I, you know, it wasn't the house I wanted. You know, and things were great when you look at the blessings. And God showed me, you know, to be content with what I had. That's really good. Pastor Bob, do you have any comments or thoughts on that? Sure. So um, one thing that I would definitely say, and, and this goes on along with what Pastor Tammy was saying, was one of the things that happens is when it's not wrong to want stuff, but it's wrong when it becomes a priority. This can go with hobbies. This can go with, you know, if you want a specific car or a specific video game, and you start to almost obsess over it to the point where this is taking over your job, Maybe it's taking over your family, and then most importantly, it's taking over your relationship with God. You're putting it ahead of all of those things. And so when we're putting all those things ahead of our relationship with God, we're going to start wanting God less and less and less. You might see problems in your life getting higher and higher and higher, but still you're not going to be looking at God the way that maybe you were looking at him in the first place. And so what I would say to minimize these desires, something that has always helped me in my entire life, is literally, and I know this is going to sound very Sunday schoolish. it's going to, read your Bible, okay? <laughs> I know it's Sunday school, it's basic one-on-one, you know, Christianity here, but read your Bible. We cannot go multiple days without reading the Word of God. If Jesus is the bread of life, and he is literally the Word, as the book of John tells us, what, what happens to bread after a few days? It goes moldy. It's disgusting. And so you don't want to be intaking moldy bread every single day. You want to be taking in fresh bread, healthy bread, reading your Bible every single day. That's good. It kind of reminds me of the immortal words of, I believe, Shakespeare said it, more mo money, more problems. I believe that's, that was Shakespeare, right? Yes. No, not, not Shakespeare. No. I mean, I mean, all kidding aside, that actually does make me think about this notion that, like, the more you have, the more, like, the more you own, the more it owns you. You ever heard that phrase before? I know for me, when I was stationed in Korea with the military, didn't have quite as much just because of the situation we found ourselves in, and went back to the U.S., and I was kind of paralyzed with indecision in the cereal aisle because I realized we have 70, like, 11 billion options of cereal to buy, and I was like, oh my gosh, right? So um, this one may not be necessarily like scripturally like driven, but I've found from my experience at the very least uh, that sometimes the purge can be a good thing. Sometimes you might just have so much stuff that it's really kind of gripping you and owning you personally. And 
And maybe it takes you a step further, which is, am I putting my identity in these things, right? Yeah. Like, am I, is my worth found in all the shinies, right? And it could run the risk even of being an idol, perhaps, in your life. I know that's probably stages that I've had, maybe you've had as well, is am I, am I making an idol of some of the stuff that I have in my life? And I think a good litmus test of that would be, is it coming in the way of my relationship with God? Just some thoughts that I had there. Another question for us here. I know that as a follower of Christ, I am on the winning side, and that through Christ I have forgiveness and victory. But how do I stop from carrying the guilt from all the decisions of my past that caused me to lose, right? Like the sins and the mistakes that we've made. What do you guys think about that? Uh, this is a really difficult question, to be completely honest, because this is something I've struggled with for a good portion of my life, to be completely honest. You know, it's kind of the same story as Jonah or something like that, right? What happens when, when he sins, right? He, he goes away from God, but what happens... He could have. He could have. When he was in the fish, in in, in the big, the great fish, in the stomach of it, he could have just not done anything. But he prayed to God anyways. Something that I always had trouble with was forgiving myself. I think that's super difficult to do is to forgive yourself. But one thing that the Bible tells us is to love others as yourself. This doesn't just mean to just love others. This means that you need to love yourself as well. We need to learn how to forgive ourselves. We need to learn how to be able to understand that, yes, you know what? I did make a mistake, but that's the reason why Jesus Christ came to this world specifically, to die on a cross for my sins. And when he rose from the dead, then I can have forgiveness, not only from him, but now you can understand not to carry around that guilt with you because you love yourself. If we continually love ourselves and understand that, we can free ourselves of that guilt and continue to forgive ourselves. That's really good. Uh, Pastor Tam, any thoughts at all? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had that struggle too, and it, it's it's true. I mean, we hold on to the guilt because we're not forgiving ourselves. And it's a huge tactic that the enemy, the devil likes to use is he likes to shove our past in our face. I know I've struggled with that, you know, shame that I've had from my past. And, you know, you start doing great and you're following God and you're doing what God wants. And the enemy is like, I don't like this. And he just throws your past in your face. And it's because, like you said, you, you haven't forgiven yourself. And it's easy, you know, you pray and you ask God to forgive you, but you sit there and you hold on to it. So I, I agree with you. We need to pray and ask God to help us to forgive ourselves, you know? It's really good. I'm kind of hearing this common thread of like, what's the person and work of Jesus? What has he done in our stead, right? Is that if you find yourself in that position, remind yourself of who God sees you as and calls you to be, right? Which is that new creation, you are part of the new creation. You've been made new and you are righteous because of Christ's righteousness. And that's a promise that's just really healthy to remember and hold on to. A third question here is uh, directed specifically to Pastor Tammy. Shocker the century when you hear the question here. What practical tips would you give to someone who's about to start homeschooling their kids for the first time? Oh, how much time do I have? <laughs> 90 seconds. <laughs> that's a lot. Oh, man, I am so excited. I love homeschooling, as you guys you guys know. Homeschool is something that has blessed me. I am so glad I have the opportunity to do it. 
Um, I just want to start off, I don't know how practical this is, but for those of you who are starting homeschooling this year for the first time, and I know so many of you are, you know, you're going to have days where you are going to get overwhelmed. You're going to have days where you feel like you can't do it. And you're going to have days where you're going to feel like you're messing your kids up. I'm going to tell you right now, you're not messing your kids up and you're going to do amazing, absolutely amazing. It's a scary thing to take on, you know, le you know, leading your kids in their education, but you're doing more than teaching them in education. You're teaching them in morals. You know, you're teaching them how to live life. And it's, it's such a blessing to be able to do that. Um, on the practical sense, um, I would say definitely check out your state's requirements. Each state is so different, and I found that out when I moved from Connecticut to Virginia. A big one that's practical for when you're starting homeschooling is, um, and don't take this the wrong way, but make sure you have a routine. Um, the reason I say that is because some homeschooling, you can get a little too relaxed, and you know, I know homeschooling should be flexible and it should be fun, but if you don't have structure, you can find yourself taking way too many days off and then you kind of fall you know, further back than you want to be. So structure is good and kids thrive under structure. Um, I also want to encourage you that each kid is absolutely different in how they learn. Some kids are hands-on, some kids are visual learners, some kids that, you know, readers. I mean, each kid is different. Find what works best for your kid. And you know, for the first month, it might take a while to get into that schedule and to find what works for you. I mean, brother Jimmy might be visual, where sister Beth might be, you know, needs to go off by herself and read. You know, it's whatever, whatever works best for that kid. And again, I just wanna say this to you parents, don't beat yourself up. Learn beside your kids. You don't have to know it all. Um, there's we forgot since we were in school, but the best thing is to learn beside them, and the kids love that. So just have fun with it. Have fun with it, and remember, you're, doing, you're gonna do awesome. That's great advice, I appreciate that. So our next question here is actually something that I believe we've probably all gone through, and maybe you're going through or may be going through right now. It has to do with relationships that we may have in our life as a follower of Christ, maybe a new follower of Christ. This question says, I feel as though I currently have relationships that are toxic and holding me back from my potential and the life that God has for me. I feel like in order for me to truly start winning, I might have to lose some of my current friends. How can I go about removing certain relationships from my life without coming off as, you know, one of those Christians who think they're, they're better than everyone else? Any thoughts? The first thing that I would say is I truly believe that if you're going to be losing friends, there's going to be two reasons why you're losing friends. One of them is going to be, going to be because you are living a different lifestyle, and they're not going to be happy about it. And to be completely honest, are those people true friends anyways? They should be happy with who you are. And so if you are a Christian, they should be open to the fact that you understand who Christ is, and they should be okay with that, whether they believe or not. The, I think the real question here is, is toxic relationships, right? That was one of the main words that was put in here, a toxic relationship. This is super difficult because it can be family. It can be best friends. It can be acquaintances. It can be people at work. It can be multiple different things. And I can tell you from experience that having to break a relationship with somebody that was a super strong relationship inside of your family or a best friend it's not easy. 
toxic relationships, you can understand when you go into them that it's harmful for your spirit. And you can feel that on the inside. You can feel that it's harming you, that it's bringing you down, and that it's drawing you away from Christ. Or something else, maybe it's putting added pressure that you don't need on you. But the thing is, is when you, you know that when you get rid of that relationship, when that relationship goes away, it's okay to do that. Don't think it's wrong to do that. There are times that there are relationships out there that are going to be harming your spirit. And those are times that we need to definitely get rid of those. But the thing is, is it's, it's always, always, always going to be difficult. It's not going to be this perfect, peaceful thing. The other person might even say, well, have a great life or something to that nature and I even had that specifically happen to me one time. And it hurt because I was telling them the truth about something. And I felt like there was added pressure on myself and my wife as well. And so we had to break this relationship. And it was really difficult. But here's the thing on the flip side of it. You have Christ. You have Jesus. He's the one, the reason why you're doing this in first place from this question that we received from, from the community is the fact that Christ, he matters to you. That's the reason why you're breaking this toxic relationship in the first place. And so if you're breaking this toxic relationship so that your relationship with God can grow and can thrive, let me tell you, he will bless you for that. I can promise you that. That's some really good advice. I think when I heard this question, I just thought to myself, Maybe there's a way that we can put the ball in their court and take the pressure off ourselves. Let the kind of decision be made for you, if that makes sense. We have a new life to live in Christ. And just make that to be known to these people. If you love them, you're kind of communicating values and principles that you have so that they see you're not trying to sit there and judge them from them as people, but just that you have new behaviors, new perspective, new outlook on life. And if that's something that if they love you for, I think they'll respect you for, like you were saying, Pastor Boz, but if not, that'll probably reveal itself over time. So I think you can take some of that pressure uh, off your shoulders yourself. Let's, let's go on to the next question here. It says, when Pastor Susie talked about the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament, it was just a few weeks ago, he mentioned we are no longer under the law, which for some people, this can be a challenging subject, right? In his explanation, he briefly touched on how the Old Testament said we couldn't get tattoos, if that is a part of the law that is no longer in effect today, does that mean that Christians can get tattoos? Question mark? What I got the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to pull out the motherly advice, okay? Is it wrong to get a tattoo? No, I'd say it's, it's not wrong. I mean, I, I'd say, you know, like, like I said, there's my motherly advice here. Is this something that, it's a big decision. So you gotta make sure, is this what you really wanna do? Is this something that, you know, long term, you're not gonna look back and regret? I know people who have gotten tattoos and absolutely regretted it. But then again, I know people who have gotten tattoos and, you know, they planned it out, they thought it out, they really, it wasn't no rushed decision. And, you know, they love their, their tattoos. I personally don't like pain, so I'm not gonna cause myself pain. But, you know, I, I just encourage you, pray about it. I mean, that's a big thing. You're making a difference to your body. So I would pray about it. Make sure, is this something that's going to represent my faith and who I am in God? Or is this something that's going to make people, you know, think that this, this, I'm not a believer? You know, so yeah, it's, it's a big, big decision. Pastor Boz, any thoughts? I do have a couple of thoughts. <laughs> do I? <laughs> Tattoos. Are they wrong? No. 
That's my first thought. <laughs> in the Old Testament, when it was talking about tattoos, yes, it was talking about something different. We won't get into all those differences. It was something different that it was talking about. However, is it bad to get a tattoo? No. But as Tammy said, this is a lifelong thing that you're going to have on the, your body for the rest of your life. I knew a friend back in college. He was one of my roommates, and uh, he had, I believe he got like the Grim Reaper or something like that on, on his side. And I was like, dude, come on, man. But anyways, the thing was, was he got it in high school, and he didn't want it like three years later. So now he has this extremely, extremely painful process to get it burned off of his skin week after week after week of this process trying to get this tattoo to not be on his skin anymore. Now, I don't know what it looks like today. I haven't talked to him for many, many years, but the thing is, is to be completely honest, it was barely fading after like a year worth of treatment. So if you really think that this is something that you want, yeah, that's okay. But also you need to look at it from this aspect, make sure that it's a positive impact on other people and not a negative impact in showing your faith in a negative way. We need to make sure that we are respecting our bodies. And so if you're gonna be doing something like putting something like that on your body, it needs to be something that's respectful, something that is gonna be positive effect on your faith. Because I know that there are things out there, let's be completely honest, that people put on their bodies and you can understand that it's, it's a negative reflection of what their faith or maybe what they don't have faith in yet but let's say that person eventually becomes a Christian, they now have to live with this on their body for the rest of their life. I know many, many people who have tattoos, who have sleeves and tattoos all over the leg, but they all have some sort of scriptural meaning. I'm not saying you have to make it a scriptural meaning. That's not what I'm saying. But the thing is, it's a positive reflection of what they believe in, and it has meaning for them. If it's not going to have meaning for you or meaning for your faith or anything like that, I would say definitely do not get a tattoo. Listen to your parents. Amen. Listen to your parents. Listen. <laughs> Well, that's all the time we have. To, no, I'm kidding. Um, it's, it's such an interesting question, and, and I would be so bold to say that this question could be on any topic like tattoos. And the reason I say that is because I think there is what I would call some freedom in our life in Christ. And when we're, we're talking about tattoos, I feel like it could be in a fill-in-the-blank, right? We could, could or should a Christian do this? Could or should a Christian do that? I think this is just like a small example of many things that we might be wrestling with. And maybe a guiding principle that we can take with us that I'm hearing from both of you is, is simply this. When I'm trying to make a decision in my life, especially for something that's permanent, it would be, is what I'm going to do going to bring glory is what I'm going to do bring glory to God? I think that might be a good litmus test, a good test for us. Does this bring glory to God? And if we're talking about tattoos specifically, the question may be this. If I get this tattoo, is it going to enhance or is it going to detract from me representing Christ? That might be a good starting point for yourself. Let's move on to the next question here. It says, as a Christian... I've been really struggling with praying and reading the Bible every day. I feel really guilty that I don't do this. What can I do to help get my devotional life in order and start winning in this area? Any thoughts? Well, I can start by saying you're not alone. 
that is something I think all of us struggle with is, you know, making sure that we're putting time aside for God. And, you know, we get so life, we get so busy in our daily life that sometimes we put God last. And so what I want to encourage you is something that I do um, is I, I call it AA. It's not like a meeting. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> I call it appointment and accountability. And so make an appointment with God. Uh, my experience groups know this. I tell them all the time. You know, we set, we set our alarms for everything. You know, when to wake up, when to do things. I mean, I even have an 8 p.m. alarm that goes off to put my chickens to bed. Yes, I do. And so <laughs> we set our alarms for everything. So why not pick a time during the day that you can put aside just for you and God? I mean, whatever time works for you and set an alarm, that is your appointment with God. And make sure you keep it. Because, I mean, once you start getting into the Word and spending time with God, I mean, you enjoy it so much, you want to keep doing it. You get excited about it, but what you're going to read next, what you're going to talk to God about next. And, you know, and I also encouraged, you know, when you're praying, you know, pray for different things on different days. Because sometimes someone, people have said to me, praying can get monotonous. You know, you're praying the same things. I encourage you, break things down. Monday, pray for your family. Tuesday, pray for, you know, your work or whatever else you're doing. But break it down into different things. And so you're spending different time with God, you know, on different days. And uh, the accountability part is find somebody. Find someone and tell them, hey, I want to get a better prayer life, a better devotion life. You know, can you hold me accountable? And do that. Check in with them. Have them check in with you. And accountability really helps because then you feel guilty when you're not doing it. That's good. Pastor Boz, do you have any, any further thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, I, I would definitely piggyback off of Tammy's response of how to do this because, like she said, you're not alone, right? There, even even you look at pastors that get up on stage, you think, ah, oh, they got it all together. We don't have it all together. Uh, sorry to disappoint you, but we don't. Uh, you know, but the thing is, is you are not alone. Praying and reading your Bible on a daily basis. Let's be honest; it's a little bit difficult to find time in our busy lives to be able to do this. But one thing that uh, really inspired me when I was younger was when I started understanding how much did Christ give for me, and I can't even give some time for Him. And it really, it really kind of put me in a mindset of dang, I, I need to do better with this. This is something that I really need to drive home. And so I had a pastor one time, he, he asked this question uh, rhetorically because it was to a congregation. He had somebody come up to him one time and said, how much time do I need to spend in the word of God every single day? Five minutes, 20 minutes, maybe an hour, two hours? And his answer was this, and I was kind of interested in the answer too because I didn't know where he was going with this, but he said, until you connect with God. That's enough time. I'm not saying you need to spend seven or eight hours per day in, your, in, in the Word of God, right? We all have things that we need to get done. We have jobs, which is something that the Bible tells us to do, and we need to be able to manage our families well and whatever responsibilities that we have. But the thing is, is he was saying, you need to connect with God on a daily basis. Like I was saying before, we can't let that bread go moldy, the Word of God, which is Jesus Christ. We can't let it go moldy in our life. So we should be receiving what God has to say for us every single day but until we connect with him. And this is what I can promise you. Once you connect with God, you're not going to want to stop. You might have to stop because you have to go to your job. You might have to stop because your kids are crying or maybe something else is going on in your life, but you're not going to want to. You're not going to, you won't be able to wait until that night to be able to sit down and start digging back into his word. And this is my last piece of advice. 
I say this, and some people, I know I said this to Tammy this week, Pastor Tammy, and she was like, what do you mean? Pray with your boots on, read your Bible with your boots on, and also do it with your boots off. What does that mean? There are times that you really need to dig deep into the Word of God. You really need to study it so you can understand what God is trying to tell you. There's times that you need to pray for things and go really deep into prayer and be praying for these things. But there's other times as well that maybe you just need to sit down and read a story. Sometimes you just need to read about the peace of God. Read some Psalms. Get some of that peace that God is trying to give to you. And then sometimes, honestly, just resting in God's peace. That's a big part of praying as well. I, I had somebody tell me one time, stop praying so much and shut up a little bit. And I was like, dang, that's harsh. But what he was saying was, you're talking too much. Let God speak in your life as well. Can, can I add something sure. on that? When he was talking, you made me think of, uh, of something about, uh, you know, when in your, in your life, when you're doing the scriptures and you're getting into the Bible reading and it's really exciting, you don't want to put it down when you get started. Now, this is going to sound like a really weird comparison, but it's almost like dieting. You know, at first, it's hard. It's hard to eat healthy. You don't want to take the time and, you know, make the healthy stuff and make the healthy decisions, but you do it. And then when you start eating healthy, you actually like it. You look forward to it. You're feeling good. You have more energy. It's like that when you're, when you're reading the Bible, you're sitting there, and it's hard to start at first because it's, you know, it's taking time away, and I got to sit down, and where do I even start? But once you get into it, it feels great, and you just can't stop doing it, and they both have really great outcomes. Those are some really good principles. I appreciate your guys' answers. I mean, when I heard this question, I went really practical, to be perfectly honest. I thought, are there resources? And I know us as a ministry, we have many resources at God Squad Church. One of them is within our Discord, if you haven't joined. Someone plug that in the chat. We've got five devotionals from an amazing devotional team every single week that is creating devotionals as led by God. I mean, that's a huge blessing to our community. That's just one resource for you that you can check out. Bible.com, many are familiar with as well. They've got reading plans, devotional plans. And just finally, there's a great plug of a book that I read recently that I still have on my shelf at home. It's called Spiritual Disciplines Handbook. Spiritual Disciplines Handbook. It's by Adele Calhoun. And it's not like a shameless plug or anything, but because the book is simply a resource to help us really visit and revisit what are some spiritual disciplines that I could have in my life and when I actually looked into this book, I realized there's a lot more options, there's a lot of different variety and things that we could do besides kind of your token prayer and Bible reading and devotional. So I think those are some great resources for you if you're kind of paralyzed and in decision of a place to start. Moving on to our next question here, I believe this is our last one, and it is, it says, I've heard it said before that I need to go out and win souls for Christ, but I just don't even know how to begin. Where can I start with how to share my faith with people who don't know God? Any thoughts? Who goes first? Rock, paper, scissors? I'll, I'll, you know. I'll go first. Relationships, relationships, relationships. It is the biggest thing that you are going to need to win people for Christ as we talk about that a lot. You know, we talk about gamers winning together. We're coming up on the end of our series of winning soon, but... Winning souls for Christ is all about having a relationship with somebody else. I'm not saying that that's the only way, okay? There are times, like, 
you know, today we'll have a salvation call at church. You hear about salvation calls, hear about people who are praying for other people on the streets randomly. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think that relationships is one of the building blocks to be able to get to that point. It might not be the first time that you have lunch with that person. Not might not be even be the third time, or maybe you've known the person for three years. But building a relationship with somebody and allowing yourself to be vulnerable with them, and they're going to start seeing the differences in your life. They're going to start saying, why is this person such a loving, caring person? Why is this person doing these things? Why are they going to church on a Saturday morning to set up for other people? This doesn't even make sense to me, but it's because you care about other people. And so they're going to start seeing that. And on a relationship point, you guys are you're going to have common interests as well. There's so many different things that you can do, whether it be sports analogies, maybe you love cars, video games, books, whatever it might be, to be able to help them to understand who Jesus Christ is. Because a lot of people, they don't understand who Christ really is. They don't understand his love. The only thing they hear about Jesus Christ is there's a bunch of Christians and they don't really know what they believe or what they do, or maybe they had a bad experience in church, but you can show them something different by showing them love and being able to explain who Jesus Christ is. That's really good. Pastor Tammy, any thoughts on this question? When I heard that question, I, uh, I think of two parts, who and how. Like, who do you reach? And um, I know you said relationships. I start with thinking those closest to you, you know, who are those around you, your family members who don't know God, your neighbors, you know, people you work with, start with those, those who know you, those who see you a lot, start with those. Um, I mean, you can also, you know, pray for, for opportunities, but I'm telling you, once you start praying for opportunities to reach people, God's going to bring them to you. So I also encourage you to pray for boldness because sometimes it's hard to know what to say and how to say it. Um, as for the how, I think it's really neat um, to let people know, you know, what God has done in your life. Start by telling them, you know, hey, this is, this is how I used to be, but this is how I am now. It's almost like what the, what the experience groups are doing now, where they did the 411, and you maybe want to explain a little bit about that, but it has this part where it's called the 15-second testimony. And I got to tell you, I think that is, that is great because when people see, well, hey, I was once this way, I was broken and lost, but now I'm full of joy and I have a purpose, they'll be like, well, hey, I want to know how you got from A to, to B because I want to get to B. And so just letting people know where you came from to where you are is a great, great example of, of winning them because they're going to want what you got. I think those are some really good responses. What I'm hearing is that it starts with prayer, right? I mean, if you're really paralyzed with indecision, what do I do? I think it starts with prayer. And then secondly is that God has uniquely placed you in places and with relationships that other people don't have and vice versa. So I think in short, maybe we're just thinking about it too much. We have relationships in our lives, family members, friends, coworkers, acquaintances, etc. Those are the people that God calls you to be a great representative of Jesus to. And if you want some practical tools, it's exactly what Tammy's talking about. We have a, an amazing tool called the 411 that we're implementing right now and also a study after that in our experience groups. This is a shameless plug, by the way. If you guys are not involved with one of those, they're a great place for you to go in and connect and have fellowship and accountability, which I think is such a huge key as to really wanting to be intentional with those conversations to pray for their salvation, but pray for those opportunities to share that's the, ho the hope that's within you. 
and I found personally from my experience, and I think I speak for most of our staff also when I say, if you can just equip yourself with a few tools, it really makes all the difference because when I ask people why don't you share the hope that's within you, the most common answer I get is because I'm afraid. A lot of that fear can get punched in the mouth face when you equip yourself with a few little tools. And on that, on that note, we'll end. Uh, thank you guys so much for your responses. We appreciate it. We, we hope that you guys like these as well. Uh, let us know in the chat if you guys are an emote right now. Is it like happy panda, sad panda, hearts, arrow in the heart? I don't know. Do those even exist? Do you guys like these God Talks? Please let us know. I know I learned something, and we really hope that you did, and we're blessed by this. I'd just like to close our time with some prayer, and we'll move on with the service. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, for a staff and a church like this to uh, pause and change things up, to be intentional, to not just be preachers and teachers, but uh, friends and brothers and sisters in Christ who can have conversations like this, uh, to be intentional, to ask the tough questions that aren't just on our minds, Lord, but we're hearing and seeing are on the minds of our community, our church, our family, and even those I'm sure that are here today for the very first time. Lord, we pray in your mighty name that you would use such a thing as a God talk, Lord, to pursue people today. I believe that there are people in our chat that are watching today, watching in the future, Lord, that have questions, that have those soul-burning questions beyond them about who they are, where they come from, where they're headed, what, what's the reason we're here, what's the purpose for all this? And I pray that you would use this for your glory to reach those people, to penetrate their hearts, to remind them that you love them, that you want them to win. This isn't a life that you have to uh, drag your legs and arms through, Lord, but they can have newfound peace and joy and creation in your Son, Jesus Christ, Lord. We are honored and privileged to be called sons and daughters of the God Most High, Lord, and I pray that this would be a blessing in your name, we pray. Amen. Maybe you're at a point in your life right now where you're wondering, how can I win? I, I don't feel like I'm winning in any aspects. You guys are just talking about winning and winning souls for Christ and what that means, and that's great, but how do I win? I want to tell you something. The only way to win in this life is with Jesus Christ. You can win in all these other aspects. You can win in money. You can win with your job. You can win with your family. You can win in all these different areas. But the problem is, is all of those things eventually are not going to be there. People do leave. Your money will not always be there. Your car will break down sometimes. They're not reliable. But Jesus Christ is reliable and he's everlasting and he will be there with you forever. And so I want to give you the opportunity right now if you have never accepted Jesus Christ into your life, but you're saying today, I want to win. I want to start winning. Or maybe you've accepted Jesus Christ before, but you've slipped a little bit. And you're saying, you know what? I used to be winning, but I want to start winning again. I want to give you the opportunity today to accept Jesus Christ into your heart or to rededicate your life to him. Because the thing is, is Jesus Christ, when he came to this world, 
He lived a pure and perfect life. And then he went to the cross for you. Not so that he could win, but so that you could win. And he died on the cross for your sins. He spilled his blood so that your heart would be covered. So that your sins would no longer be on there, but only the blood of Jesus Christ. And then three days later, after he was buried, he rose from the dead. He broke those chains. He broke the chain of death. He was not going to lose. He didn't let that stop him. He broke through sin. And because of that, we can ask God for forgiveness and repent of our sins and live in eternity with Jesus Christ forever. So I want to give you the opportunity right now. If you want to accept Jesus Christ into your life for the first time or rededicate your life to Jesus, I would like you to repeat this prayer after me. Let's pray. Dear God, I come before you right now. And Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross and I believe that you rose from the dead. And right now, Jesus, I ask that you would live inside my heart. I ask for forgiveness for my sins. I receive your mercy, your grace, and your salvation. And I commit my life to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we put our hands together for those people right now that are accepting Jesus Christ for the very first time? Put the hypes in the chat, and I am believing by faith that not only right now, but people in the future that are watching the VODs and also the YouTube, that people are giving their lives to Jesus Christ right now. But I want you to do something bold. We have a bunch of people in the chat. I don't know how many people we have in the chat. We have, currently right now, we have 110 people who are watching. So it's Something I want to ask you to do that's going to be extremely bold. If you just accepted Jesus Christ for the first time in your life, or maybe you rededicated your life to Jesus, I want you to do something. Don't push enter yet, but put a yes in the chat. And when I count down from three, when I say one, I want you to press that enter button. I want you to put a yes in the chat. This is so that we can know who you are, that we can celebrate with you, that we can congratulate you on on making literally the biggest decision and the most important decision that you could ever make. I promise you, accepting Jesus will change your life for the better. I promise you that you are going to see something new. You're going to have joy. You're going to have life. You're going to have more love than you've ever felt in your life before if you've accepted Jesus. And so we want to celebrate with you. In three, and two and one and let's see it let's see the yeses that are coming in the chat right now and not only that like i said people that are watching the vods and on the youtube we have people saying yes today to jesus christ which is absolutely amazing we want to congratulate you and hey if you did just accept jesus christ into your life if you guys could do me a favor and click on the panel below called next level that's going to be a form that's going to send you to if you could fill out that form with as much information as you feel comfortable giving that will allow us to be able to give you some resources because a lot of times people they accept jesus christ they don't really know what to do next where do i start reading my bible how long do i pray per day some questions that we have answers for you that we can walk along beside you as you're starting this new journey as it's not the end of something but the beginning of something brand new so congratulations to those of you that just said yes in chat and please fill out the form so that we can contact you and walk through that process with you